I thought I grew up without an accent. <laughs> then I came to Australia, and I realized, oh, no, we have many in Canada. Well, I'm born in Germany, but that doesn't make it. That's no difference. It's like, it, actually, that's a problem. Um, it's a pleasure to share this morning with you and fellowship like this. What a wonderful thing. Um, you know, I just have to say something, nothing, nothing about that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You know, we, we sing it in Germany. We, I grew up in a German church uh, in Canada. And um, then when we went to the English fellowship, I heard them singing many of the same songs. And I thought, boy, they're smart. They translated all these old German songs into English. You know what I found out? They were actually from English into German. And I also thought that the heavenly language was German when I grew up. But that's not true neither. It's, 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 some people say it's the King James. No, it doesn't matter. It's, sorry. No, but, but this song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, was written by, uh, her, her last name is Lemelin. And Helen Lemelin, she was a trained opera singer in the late 1800s, and she sang on crusades, and uh, well, actually first as an opera singer trained in Europe, and uh, used to sing in many meetings, was a Christian, and married a very wealthy businessman, and moved to the States, back to the States, and um, they had no children, and she might have been around, I can't remember what age, I think it was late 30s, early 40s, she suddenly went blind, totally blind, irreversibly blind. And because of that, her husband left her and didn't even give her any support. And this woman was living in abject poverty, but had her heart focused on Christ. In 1925, she wrote, around that time, she wrote this song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And when I read that story, then I realized, Oh soul, are you wearied and troubled, all burdened with sin and distressed in despair. Come to the Savior. And, some, and she wrote this song in the deepest need of her life to turn her eyes upon Jesus. People criticize her for it. Christians, aren't they wonderful? Escapism. You just want to escape the problems. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. What? That's totally not that. It's not escapism. Jesus said we are in the world, but not of the world. So we turn our eyes on Jesus and look into his face. And all these things are strangely dim. Anyway, that wasn't the idea. I just thought I had to mention it because that song is so incredible. I want to play for you a couple of songs. Oh, put it over here. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, if, if I don't know the words, it's because you know, I, I'm going to play this song in English, but sometimes I think it's in French or German. Does it make a difference? No. You, I don't sing. Are you kidding? If I sang, you'd leave faster than you came. I'm just, I'll just go over here. This song I'm about to play, uh, we go a lot to Japan. And um, I've, I've been, well, I don't know, dozens of times in Japan. And then, so one time I was there, and I, I was in an opera society with a bunch of opera singers from the Nagoya Opera, and, and in their private concert, and I'm playing a whole concert. At the end of the whole concert, it was about two and a half hour piano recital, they passed out some music and said, would I mind accompanying them? And I see this song. I said, 
what, excuse me? Where'd you get that song from? Oh, it's a very popular song in Japan. It was very big, big popular in the, in the, in the 20s and 30s, before the Second World War even. I said, what? The missionaries that brought it to Japan. When, when the Edo and the Second Empire back in 1780, opened up for missionaries and they brought this song. And I was so shocked to hear this song I'm about to play for you as one of the big hits in Japan. Back then. Here it goes. You know that song? Do you want to sing one verse? Don't even look at the word. You just know it. Eh? Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of, no, we said, we read it. We said, heir of salvation. Purchased of, born of the spirit. Washed by. This is my story. Let's, let's stand up and sing it. Okay, here. Let's
I want to play for you a quiet piece. Um, uh, it's by Chopin. I'm going to try out the piano, see if it, well, see what happens. It, actually, it's, I might not remember it, but that doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> I usually make things up. I give them the same name, but there's different pieces. But this is a, an etude, which is actually a, etude means a study, but Chopin wrote 24 studies for the p uh, piano, uh, two books, 12, 12. They're not really, they're really masterpieces. They're not just studies. When this was written, this is Opus 25, number one, uh, it was almost unplayable in those years. It was, it's, if you look at the music, it's all black. Like notes are usually black, but, uh, but that was very black. And uh, it reaches, but it's called the harp etude because it sort of sounds, supposed to sound like a harp, I don't know, but anyway. But it's got a beautiful, peaceful melody. This morning I want to talk about the peace of God. And I thought this piece would fit right in. And it's only about two and a half minutes. And if I'm still playing it in the next uh, ten minutes, I'm lost. I'm starting over and over again. So I just want you to know. Then I'd like to follow that with a wonderful hymn that was written in great pain and great sorrow before I bring the message. You'll all know it. It is well with my soul.
Thank you. It's a privilege to know that our name is written in the book of life. This morning we were remembering again what Christ did for us on the cross. But you know, I, I, I can't help but think we, we live in very strange times. But I've heard that when I grew up, when I was five years old. There are always strange times. Don't you agree? <laughs> it seems to me that the older you get, the more strange it gets. <laughs> and maybe that's why people get Alzheimer's. I don't know. That's, no, it's not true. It's not, I shouldn't say that. But it, it's strange. We live, in, we live in very unusual days. And um, I, we've had the privilege of traveling all over the world, especially before COVID uh, happened. We have two children. We have a daughter uh, who's uh, in Ottawa in Canada. Our son is married. He's got four boys. Um, and he, he's a violinist. And he and I have played all over the world together and shared the message and concerts and whatever we do. But never have we had a time such as the last three years. Never. And it seems to me that the, there's, and, and even before that, you get this sense of an unleashing darkness and a general fear. Everywhere there's fear. People are afraid of everything. And if you, and if I want, I'm going to suggest if you really want to sleep well tonight, just put the news on. Yeah, it's, it's not good. We live in strange days. And I, it seems to me, I don't know about you, so when you go to bed, you have problems. They usually are three inches heavy. When you lie down, you, have a, you can hardly breathe, right? You ever get that feeling? You go to bed, oh, this is so terrible. I can't figure this out. Then for some reason, around 2 in the morning or 2.30, somewhere in that time, I don't know why, but it's like three feet heavy. The worst thing in the world. Did it ever happen to you? Any identify with that? You just can't get rid of those problems. You can't sleep. And you, you, you're all, you're just, oh, what's going on? You know, and they, you don't know what to do. Just want to give you some encouraging words this morning, and myself for that matter. Ephesians chapter, uh, sorry, I was saying Philippians chapter 4. You all know this. Be anxious for everything. Oh, that's a new translation. Huh? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer. Oh, this is it. By, by prayer and supplication. With what? With a long face. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? This is the precursor. Then the peace of God, which is greater than all our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In connection with that, I just want to read, uh, tell you, you know, you, know, you said it before, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. 
Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him. Speak of him always, and he will direct your path. I can hang on to it. And, and of course, you read Ephesians 2 this morning, and I had verse 14. He is our peace. He broke down the middle of all of separation and made everything one, made it in unity. But you know what? There's something I want to highlight this morning. The peace of God is connected with some principles. And it, first of all, I want you to know it's a gift. The peace of God is nothing that we can think out in our head. The peace of God, not the peace of me. Not the peace of a book or a good thought. It's the peace of God. Let's not forget, it's a gift. That's why Jesus said, my peace I Leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. So first of all, that's a, that's a foundation. But it's connected to something. And it's funny when you read, not funny, it's, it's very remarkable when you read in Scripture about the peace of God. There's always a component of understanding involved. And we will never, ever understand the depth of God's grace we will never understand the depth of his love. And we will never understand how great his peace is. Because our human understanding is limited. And yet, let me give you some examples. It says it's higher than our understanding. Well, you know Arno Penzias. Some of you may know him in physics. He's the one that actually discovered microwave radiation in the universe and was able to measure the temperature of the distant universe with a microwave redshift. He, was a, he, was, he broke physics right open in the 1960s. Now, Arno Penzia said science can't explain, and can't, can't explain anything. It can only describe things. The guy's pretty smart and had to say that yet. You know, Einstein, I have a quote from Einstein. He said this, the Lord may be subtle, but malicious he is not. I would like to know how God created the world. I want to know his thoughts. All else is simply details. That's what Einstein said. That's after you recognized, it took him a long time to get there to realize that the universe was actually expanding. He thought the universe was constant. When he was convinced through Penzias, actually, that the universe was expanding, he said, I, this, this is too big. There, I want to know God. I want to know what, how, how did he do this? Anyway, the idea is he will never understand. We will only see it darkly in a, as in a mirror and through a window, through a glass. We will never understand. However, the peace of God transcends our understanding. That, I don't understand that. But it's only the peace of God for you and me if we take it. Now I'm coming back to the first point. It's a gift. Now when I was young growing up, I was an immigrant from Germany after the war. I wasn't the only one. I felt like it sometimes, but I was a young kid. I grew up after the war. I'm, I'm old, but you know, I don't remember the war. Thank I was after the war, but still, the, we grew up with the war in their background. Second World War, I'm talking, in their background. I mean, there's other wars, but this is that one. You know, just let you know. I, I haven't got a cane yet, but that could happen. But just so we didn't have much. 
when he got something for Christmas, it was maybe the one thing. So the worst thing could happen is, you know, you would save it up. So I remember one year my aunt got me a sweater, and that's no, that's no gift. I mean, it's something you need. That's not a present. So I took it, and you put it underneath the bed, hid it. So next year I might have more gifts for next Christmas. <laughs> a few months later, she asked me, how'd you like the sweater? Because I never opened it up. You know, she wasn't very happy. Neither was I. You see, the gift of God is a gift that Jesus wants us to have. The peace of God is a gift that he's giving you and me this morning. And sometimes we have to just reach for it. Even though everything is dark around us, we reach it and take it. If we don't do that, it's not complete. That's why Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, you, I come to bring you life that you would have it fully, abundantly. But you can't have it if you don't take it. So the peace of God is a gift that we must take. And it's given to us freely. By the same token, when we take it, we ask ourselves, why do Terrible things happen to good people. Rabbi Kushner wrote this book, Why Do Good Things Happen, But Bad Things Happen to Good People. And he, had a, he tried to lay out, explain the book of Job in his, in his Jewish way. I don't know. can't understand it. There's no explanation for the evil that happens. Don't you pray for a blessing and protection around your children, your family? Do you believe that God does that? I do too. And we can all encourage ourselves this morning about how God protects us and how he's held us from things. But then something terrible happens to some good people and children. Undeserved, and it does happen. And there's no comfort. It seems there's no comfort. And I'm not going to go into those details. We can share that this morning too. I'm sure you have that in your family or your background or your neighbors where people get murdered and shot and it's just horrible things happen. And yet, the Bible tells us the peace of God will guard our hearts. Do you realize what that means? Why did Ezekiel write about, give me a heart of flesh that's malleable. Break my stone heart. He will guard our hearts. The peace of God guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. I will never understand it. I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of history. I did a lot, it doesn't, who cares? But I, I read up a lot on the, on the terrible times of the Holocaust and, and the things that happened in Germany during the Nazi period. Millions and millions. It's, it's unthinkable what happened. And still goes on, even in Stalin's Russia. And so on. And, and today, and so on. And there's no explanation for evil like that. And yet God allows it. At the same time, God says, through Jesus Christ, he will never leave or forsake us. So, like Job said, whether I live or whether I die, I know I shall see my Redeemer. And how can that be? Because the peace of God, God will guard my heart and my mind. That's the first thing. Remember the prayer of Jabez. I, it's an interesting, you know, I thought, well, you know, First Chronicles 4, verse 9, you know the prayer of Jabez. 
Oh, Lord, that you would indeed bless me and expand my borders and so on. And, and here's the German. Und schafft es mit dem Übel, dass es mich nicht bekümmerte. The evil that is around me, that it doesn't bother me. And I, I read that, and I read in the King James Version that I don't cause any evil. That's a very big difference. Then I checked up a lot of translations, and I think Luther wasn't all that wrong on that one. The evil that is around me, Jabez prayed to God, said, I know I am in a dark and evil world, but please grant me peace that I don't be bothered by it. Keep me from it. You see, back then even, we can pray, today we can pray even with more authority through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have his peace. We can avail ourselves of the power of his blood to protect us and keep our hearts and minds secure in Christ Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? And this morning, you may have to hear that. I don't know. Some people are so rubbed up with the things that have been happening with COVID, and families are disrupted. And, and I, I went to their neighbor's door. The, uh, he came over uh, two years ago and brought us a nice gift for Christmas, dropped it, gives us a big hug. And I thought, hey, we got to reciprocate. So New Year's Week, and I'm behind there, and I knock on the door, and they didn't know. And his wife came, the, the Christian couple, and his wife came and saw me and jumped maybe eight feet, maybe six feet, I'm not sure. She didn't have wings, but she jumped. I'm thinking, what? I didn't have a mask on. I thought, oh, what did I do wrong? She's just standing like this, terrified that I'm bringing disease into the house. He comes up and gives me a big, huge hug. He doesn't care. It's divided families. People are living in unbelievable fear. And I'm saying to myself, what's this word for? The word, the peace of God guards my heart. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not saying go stick your nose in a pile of germs and, and come out alive. I'm not saying that. But the peace of God guards our heart. It guards our mind. It guards our families. I can take that word and apply it to my life. And you can do that this morning. Because it's alive. Now the peace of God is also active. Not to forget. It's not something you take and then just say, forget it. Jesus said in John uh, 15 verse 4, Abide in me. And then, verse 5, 6, and 7, you will bring fruit. Fruit is not inactive. Fruit is life growing. So the peace of God is alive. It brings growth. It brings fruit. So that in verse 8, John 15, the Father is glorified. By having the peace of God in our life, active in living and bringing fruit, God is glorified. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to do much else. He takes care of the growth. We don't grow plants. God grows them. But we have to rest in peace. But then there's one other thing. Don't forget. And then he says, of course, that your joy may be full. That's verse 11. I've, that's how our joy gets to be full. We have the peace of God. We get fruit. Things grow. We see wonderful things happening. And our joy is full. That's why Jesus said, I bring life that you have it full and more abundantly. That's an equality life. That's another translation. But there's one other part of that. It, it's work. You know, if you, you know, it doesn't mean to say it just happens. I believe, and I, I, I've done that too. I believe I plant a, I'm not no good in gardening, but I plant a tree and I watch this thing dies off. And I think, what, what happened here? And I think, you know, the neighbors go so good. And I think, well, I, I give it too much fertilizer and it burned. Well, that's a bad job. Or I did nothing. I just, well, next time I'll do nothing. Well, I choked up, die. It requires work. 
And that's why Paul said in Philippians 2, verse 12, work out your salvation. It doesn't mean work out the fact that you should get saved. Then everything is a gift of God. Our salvation is not earned. But then, strive after holiness. Without Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, I think. Yeah, strive after holiness and peace with every man. Without no one will see God. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling before a holy God. We're saved, but then we work at. Why? What do we work at? Well, Ephesians 2, verse 6 to 8 tells us, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds that he has prepared beforehand for us so that we should walk in them. That's amazing. That's our job. When the peace of God is active in our life, we now do the things God wants us to do. And that's why Jesus said, anything you ask in my name which shall be done unto you when you are planted in me and you have my peace in your heart. Isn't that powerful? I think that's incredible. Those are powerful words. And they can only happen if we're humble before God. God resists the proud. You see, it's, it's a strange time. I said we live in a strange time. You know, homosexuality, uh, we don't have to, have to talk about it. It's an, and the things that we live in this world, promiscuity and, and sexual freedom and all these things. Do you know, it used to be something you did and then you, you're ashamed and you hit it. Today, we're proud. Oh. You know what? You take the, the peace symbol that God gave this earth, the rainbow, and you turn it into a perverted symbol. I'm often thinking I should just wear it. I'm going to wear it anyways. They should ask me. And I'll tell them, praise God. God gave me this symbol. God set a rainbow in the sky, not the homos, the lesbians. They take what's good and pervert it. That's the time we live in. Remember Habakkuk chapter 1. Oh, Lord, how long will you wait? How long can evil be existing in this world? How long don't you hear from heaven? Why don't you do something? Justice is perverted. There are no, no just judgments anymore. And woe unto those is in uh, chapter 5 of Isaiah who call good evil and evil good. Or they say there's peace and there's no peace. That's the world we're living in, but we have the real peace of God through Jesus Christ. You can take that home, you can take it into your heart, you can take it to your bed, you can take it to your workplace, you can take it wherever you are and just rest in the presence of the peace of God. It is greater than anything we have. Anything greater than we can ever think of. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, said, resist the devil. And what does he do? It's James chapter 4, verse 7. What does he do? I haven't got the power half the time, but I have the peace of God. And he guards my heart and my mind. And what does the devil do? He runs. I, you know, I, I'm, not talk, I'm just saying this out of my own life a little bit too. You know, I, in Toronto, Toronto's a big city. And uh, one, years ago, I remember walking downtown in the King Street, the busy area there. Just had some time to kill between some business meetings. And, and I walked into a store. I didn't know what it was. And I realized, oh my goodness, it's a satanic store. They're selling Satan books and, and witchcraft. And I didn't know that. I just I thought it was a bookstore. I walked in there. And I didn't think anything. I just, at all. I didn't know anything. I said, look, I was like, well, what, what's this? You should have seen. The people in there stopped in their tracks. And stared at me like this. They didn't even know who I was. I didn't know who they were. 
they sensed right away that there's a different power that's stronger. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. I'm going to tell you, but the peace of God conquers those things. We have power in Christ because the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. It keeps us from aberrations. It keeps us from going devious ways. Oh, the temptation is there. The temptation of pornography among the youth is unbelievable today. It's everywhere, staring you in the face. And have all kinds of vices. We can call everything. Addictions, you name it, what it is. But I want to tell you, the peace of God is stronger and it will guard our hearts and minds. But we have to partner with him. We have to abide in him. Now let me close with this thought. Isaiah 48, verse 18. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Now it's funny, there's a past perfect and there's a pluscum perfect. In German, it's a bit different than English, so I'm not sure who's right. Either way, it doesn't make a difference. It's pretty close to the same. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Let's read it. Open it up. Do you know that verse? Huh? Isaiah chapter 48. Verse 18. Oh, that you heeded my command. Then your peace would have been or would be like a river. And your righteousness as the waves of the sea. You've heard that before. Remember that song, a peace like a river, I've got peace like... You know, we say these wonderful allegories almost, or these, you know, the wonderful alliterations, beautiful description. Hey, there's something behind there. There's something really here. And I thought about this. I had to go to German. Look at this. If you heed his commandments, we don't have to go there. Thy law, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a predication. It has to go. But wait a sec. How can my peace be like a river? Does that make sense to you? Is a river peaceful? Wait a second. Wait a minute. Here's the German word. Want to hear it? It's good. Wasserstrom. Dein Friede wäre wie ein Wasserstrom. My peace is like a, say it, Wasserstrom. What do you hear? English, like a river, river, river. Peace like a Wasserstrom. Hey, wait a minute, just a second. Hold it. Ah, do you know what I'm saying here? What the what the prophet is saying here? This is not your ordinary meandering, meandering river. This goes anywhere it feels like going. This is a river that has power. It has life. It sustains life. Animals come and drink from it. Plants grow along this river. It's fresh. You can drink it. And not only that, a river has a direction. It goes somewhere. If you put a log or a little branch or something in that river, it'll take you somewhere. It's goal-oriented. The peace of God is goal-oriented to heaven. It will take you to heaven. It overcomes obstacles. It's stronger. It feeds you. It sustains you every day till you get there. 
But a river, okay, a river might do it, but a a lazy river might stop here, might stop there. Okay, I'm sorry about that. A brook, it doesn't say brook. It doesn't say tribulate. It's, It's the real deal. It's life, sustaining. That's the peace of God. But then there's something else. We were saying it this morning. You heard about it. It's Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those that hunger after righteousness. Do you know, peace of God and righteousness are linked almost always in Scripture. Why? Why? Yeah. What? You, here you have it. The righteousness of God is something that we cannot ever attain ourselves. It's imputed to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why there was sacrifice of blood of animals forever and ever to make us right before God and it had to happen all the time, all the time. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ's blood and his sacrifice. But wait a second. The peace of God lives in us and our righteousness, our righteousness is as the waves of the sea. I don't get that picture. I was thinking of that forever and ever. Wait a minute. I can understand the peace of God like a river. I can get there. It can take me. It carries me. It drives me. It sustains me. I have life. But righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now, I've got to tell you a story. When we married, we moved from Canada to Germany. When I came to Germany, I was two years old, we took a boat. After the war, the boats weren't quite as... I was two years old. I, had, I enjoyed that. Others didn't. They knew what it looked like uh, when you don't see anybody. You're all pale and you lose everything you have. It's, it's a weight loss clinic. And so in 1975, we got married and took, went back to Germany with a boat. And in those years, all they had from Canada were two boats, passenger ones. One was a Russian boat, a communist. And the other one was Polish, also communist. So we took the one that was bigger from Montreal, went to Germany. And it was in September. Big mistake. And everything was great. Oh, it was wonderful. Until one day I saw these bags hanging in the hallway and I asked the crew, what is this? Oh, big storm coming. I said, oh, okay, fine. Well, big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. We were on the main deck. We were uh, eight meters above sea level. They screwed our window shut. Screwed it shut. You couldn't open it. I said, why? Our waves, the waves we got were 60-foot waves. It's 20 meters. The boat was covered, it was rocking left to right, and the screws of the boat were shuddering out. Boy, did I get sick. I, got, I, I don't remember much. They shot me with, full of drugs and I was gone. But anyway, before all that happened, I stood on this ocean. I saw in front of me, the sea was like glass. There were three wind directions, one from the right, left, and we're going right into the middle of it. No way to get around it. And I watched it. I thought, oh my goodness, something terrible is going to happen. I'm staying there looking at this. And they say, get, get down, down, down. Shut down, everybody get down, down. Everything was, everything's batting down. And I asked myself a question. Where do you think those waves came from? Now, there's probably a lot of scientific explanation for those waves, I'm sure. But it's a pretty simple answer, too. Until that point, there was almost no wind. And suddenly the wind came. And we had a hurricane force wind. 
was 11 on the Beaufort scale. It was like, um, you shouldn't have been in there. But they are Russians, they go anyway. They don't care if they go down, to whatever. Oh, sorry. I'm, I knew what the inside of a toilet bowl looked like after, too. Boy, I'm telling you. The wind. Look at, if you're looking at a, you're standing at a bridge in a pond, and you throw a pebble in there, or a rock, don't you see little waves? What happened? The first one is big, next one's smaller, smaller, it peters out, right? Now, here I am in the ocean, it was crystal clear, it was, it was beautiful, we were out there, it was all of a sudden, I'm seeing these clouds filled with darkness and wind, picks up like crazy. Ah, now I know what the prophet was saying. My righteousness is as the waves of the sea. What does that mean? They didn't stop. You know when they stopped? When the wind stopped. And you know what that is? The righteousness is only like the waves of the sea when the wind of the Holy Spirit blows through my life. The prophet was talking here of the Holy Spirit. Our righteousness and the peace of God that we have and our righteousness is driven by the Holy Spirit as he blows through our life and constantly blows through our life. And the moment that stops, that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for your redemption. And you know the Holy Spirit doesn't suddenly stop like that. The Holy Spirit sometimes just quietly pulls himself back. Is disturbed. This comforter, this gift of Jesus that left with us on this earth, he pulls back. And Jesus says, oh, but come to me if you're weary and tired. And you go or I go into ways that hurt him, that distance me from his holy presence. And I, I, I wonder what's going on with me. Everything's wrong. Oh my goodness, the storm is coming. And I've forgotten to let the Holy Spirit blow through my life. This morning I encourage you, open up your heart to the righteousness of God by letting the Holy Spirit blow through your life. Every part of your being, let it be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let every thought of my mind be pleasing and acceptable unto you. Search me, O God. Search my heart and know if there's any wicked way within me. Let your Holy Spirit cleanse me and fill me with your presence and your peace. And he will do that. He promised never to leave or forsake us. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. When Elijah was in the mountain, he didn't hear the Holy Spirit or God's presence in the storm, in the fire, in the noise. Where did it come? The quiet wind. And the righteousness of God is in our heart. It's in our life as we let his spirit blow through us, fill us all the time. So our prayer is, Lord, fill us. Keep us full with your spirit. Fill us with your peace so we can have this overwhelming peace with our neighbors, with our family, with the problems that we have. They're not going away. Oh, no. The bank will still be there tomorrow. Your debts are still there, but the peace of God is greater than all those problems. It will lead and guide you in all truth. Amen.
God bless you. God keep you. And may the peace of God guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Play a song? Uh, what do I play? Anything? I'll play, I'll play something next week. Okay. Well, I'll play some. Do you, want, do you have a hymn? Okay, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll play you. Okay, I'll play a hymn that has nothing to do with this message. But it, it's so wonderful. My mother died. My mother was the last of our parents to die. We, our four parents, like I had two, only Linda had two, they all died from 11 to 18. It was a very rough goal. And my mother was the sickest of all of them, and she lived the longest. She said she was the sickest, so anyway. And, uh, but she had Alzheimer's, terrible Alzheimer's. The last seven, eight years were just awful. But the last year, she was completely out of it. But the year be up until that point, she loved to sing with me. She even thought that she didn't know who I was, she said, but she thought we should go on the road singing together. <laughs> she, didn't, she couldn't hear well, neither, because she heard me sing. She would have said that. And then she told me once that she wrote all the songs herself. Anyway. But her favorite song, and she sang it with the workers in the home. They come in. She, she wants to dance with them. She never danced in her life. She wants to dance. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. So that's what she used to do. I come in. The workers would stand there smiling at her. And she'd sing. That was her song. Do you believe that? There'll be no sorrow there. No parting over there. All will be peaceful evermore on that happy golden shore. And forever I shall be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. Amen? Amen. And I, I, I wanna, I'll play that again next week. I, I love that song so much. It's my farewell song and, and victory. Okay, here goes.